The spotlight is on the food and agribusiness sector in terms of equality and representation, with a review of gender issues in progress by the department and public scrutiny of the sector's gender pay gap reports. My name is Nancy Fallon and I want to be part of the drive for change by giving a platform to women across the food and agribusiness sector to talk about their experience and insights. So here I am with Professor Thea Hennessy, Chair of the Agri-Food Economics and Dean of Cork University College School, UCC. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. Thanks, Nancy. So Thea, let me begin at the start. So you studied economics and finance. Why did you choose to look to the sector of agri as a space to pursue your career? So I had decided to do a master's in business studies um, in UCD and one of the streams of specialisation on offer was um, agri-food business. I had grown up on a dairy farm. Um, all of the discussion had been about milk prices and cows and the business of farming when I grew up. So that as a specialism, I suppose, appealed to me. I felt I could relate to it. So I did a master's um, in business studies, specialised in agri-food, and then I went, after a number of years, uh, went to work for Chagask, the Agriculture and Food Development Authority, in a research role, and subsequently did a PhD in agricultural economics. And it's interesting, because you talk about, obviously, you'd heard, you grew up with agri, it was an area you knew a lot about. I mean, if I look at agri now, I see it as, I guess, a sector that presents so many opportunities. There's so many ways that it needs to adapt to the challenges that it faces in the context of sustainability. Do you think that we're doing enough for young people to encourage them into the sector? I think it's an exciting sector for young people to be involved in, whether that's at the farm level or in agribusinesses more generally. Um, I think there's lots of opportunities. If we go back maybe 15, 20 years ago, there was only one place you could study agricultural science uh, in Ireland and, and get a university degree. Now, most of the universities have agricultural science degrees. Most of the um, technological universities are offering them as well. So I think there is a lot of opportunities. If anything, the challenge is probably retaining talent within the sector once people are qualified and take up roles. And, and to that point about retention, why do you think people are, are going elsewhere if they'd study in, in agri-science or in the agri-business area? Why do you think they're going elsewhere and not staying within? I wouldn't say that's a unique challenge for the agribusiness sector. I think that's a challenge for all employers in all sectors now. People like to have a portfolio of experience. So you can find people with agricultural science degrees or agribusiness degrees in all sorts of roles uh, today. Um, so I guess it's about trying to make the sector as attractive as possible in terms of retaining talent and then potentially sourcing new talent in as well. And, and you mentioned, I suppose, you know, most colleges now have some kind of offering in relation to agri-science, but obviously UCC has a very proud history in relation to agri-science, agri-business. In terms of the gender split and applicants to those courses, how, how is it now and has it improved? So it depends on which course you're talking about. So we have an agricultural science degree in UCC just for the last four years. The first group will graduate this year and I teach a module on that and that is predominantly male. I would say class of 30, maybe 22, 23 male students. We have a degree in food marketing about the same size and the gender is reversed. So a uh, predominance of females. So I think that stereotype of people going for certain roles still applies. So I think we probably need to work harder to see careers for women in agricultural science as opposed to agribusiness or food business more generally. So I think that's in all of the promotional material we use about farming, pushing female farmers, 
um, you know, you can if you can see it, you can be it kind of thing. So really reinforcing that message that there is a career for women farmers. Yeah, and I think you're totally right. I think if you can't see it, you can't be it. I think we, we certainly see that in the context of even our own organisation within KPMG. But I think it's what everyone sees across. And we've seen obviously a huge amount of work done in the kind of space of 2020 in terms of women in sports and trying to encourage that. So I, I think you're absolutely right. And I guess it's it's again, it's it's an interesting area because we've seen Ireland really try to move forward in this context and broaden out and look at the gender representation in the farming area with the launch of the National Dialogue. And I suppose it's interesting because I think you're, a num- you're part of a number of research consortia across internationally across the world. Do you think you're seeing a similar level of momentum across Europe and even broader the field across Australia and New Zealand in terms of looking at that gender representation in farming? Yeah, I think you know, it is an issue within farming and I think a lot of work is being done in that regard. Um, if you think back, say, to my father's generation, they would have used the expression of a farmer, he has only daughters, like that was a disappointment. Um, and then if I look at what's happening today, so Chalgus recently um, run the Young Farmers Competition, uh, three categories, one overall winner, all of them female. So I think that shows how far we've come. And I think Ireland is doing very well by international standards because this isn't just an Irish issue. Um, but again, I think it's about celebrating women that are successful in farming and trying to do more to support them as well. And as part of your international work, do you see any specific in- initiatives outside of Ireland where countries are trying to encourage women into farming and more broadly into agribusiness? So I think in other countries, there has been a longer focus of, say, farm related businesses. So engaging in local markets and farm tourism that we don't have to the same extent here. And for that reason, that attracted more women over the generations and has tended to keep them more involved in farming. So I think you'd see that in parts of mainland Europe. That hasn't been the case as much here. Um, But I think as our farms have intensified and become more commercialised, it's important to see a role for women in those types of farms as well. That kind of direct-to-consumer market, essentially. Mm. Yeah, Okay. I suppose what we've seen a lot of around the kind of farmers' markets, but it just needs to be on a larger scale, I guess, in Ireland. I think so. Well, I think the type of farming we do in Ireland is very export-oriented. It's at a very large scale now, so there needs to be a role for women in large commercial farms as well as in you know farms that are engaged in farm markets and more local supply chains. So if we just broaden the lens slightly to I guess your career in, in academia, obviously research in Ireland in 2020 would say that certainly in terms of looking at senior professorships that 72% are held by male, 28% by female. I guess you've spent a lot of time in academia. How has it impacted you in terms of being in such a, a male dominated environment or I suppose more, more importantly how did it not impact you in succeeding there? So the world of academia has its own challenges when it comes to gender balance and you've provided the statistics there. So at the senior level, positions still tend to be dominated by men. But something that uh, the world of academia has developed in recent years is a particular accreditation around gender and it's called Athena Swan. So universities that want to gain that accreditation must spend a number of years collecting particular data. So data around things like uh, how uh, positions for promotion are run, uh, the number of applicants, male and female, the supporting measures that are put in place, are they equally available to to men and women, support for family friendly um, working initiatives, holding core meetings at certain hours, avoiding social events at family time. And uh, you, you measure that data for a number of years and then you put an action plan in place to get this accreditation and to retain the accreditation, you must make positive improvements. So it's a system of continuous improvement. And I think that has been very impactful. 
I think collecting the data has been eye-opening for people actually, just to, to see the practices that can be improved upon. And it's a real case of what gets measured gets managed. And I think maybe a similar accreditation for the world of agriculture could be very useful. Maybe it could be used as part of the current dialogue. Um, because I think raising awareness of the issues and putting a target in place to do better can be very impactful. Um, you asked me then about my own uh, particular journey. So prior to working in, in UCC, I worked in Chalgisk, which again, I would say at the senior level is very male dominated. I'd have to say I never felt disadvantaged by being a woman. I have to absolutely say that, but I would say that I've often been in the forum where I've been the only woman or a, a minority of women. Um, and most recently, I would have chaired on behalf of the Minister for Agriculture, the Food Vision Beef and Sheep Group. And again, lots of the um, industry representation and the farm lobby representation tends to be male dominated, but I don't let that hold me back. Um, um, but, you know, I, I do think we have um, some uh, advances to be made in terms of getting better balance in the room. And it's not just for the sake of ticking the gender box. I think we've all seen the research that diversity of opinion and views in those important fora um, really makes a difference. Yeah, I mean, I think that's right. I mean, we say it's not just the right thing to do. It really is better for everyone to have a diverse range of views and opinions at the table. So, so it makes sense. And I, I definitely take the point around, you know, if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. I think it's a it's a really big point. And it's fair to say that, you know, the agri-food sector is not alone in facing this challenge, maybe has slightly steeper challenges to, to, to climb rather than other areas. But all, all sectors are looking at this across the board. So I think it it is something that I think having something like you spoke of that Athena Swan is really interesting because I think it sets out a number of very objective, I suppose, areas that can be measured and that can be seen to see progress in it because this isn't going to happen overnight. It's going to take time. But I think if we continue to see progress, I think I think that will in itself be a positive, a positive way to move forward. And I suppose linked to that then is, I guess you've mentioned, obviously you started in Chagask and now in UCC. So you've seen really across the spectrum of the agri-food sector. And I mean, you've, you've spoken about um, the programmes which you have in, in academia to try and improve gender. Do you think there are any other policy changes that we could have that would help improve gender balance in the agri-food sector? So I think in terms of policy, what we have at the moment is the targets um, that we need to achieve at the board level. And I think that they're useful. Um, again, like the Athena Swan accreditation, I think it's useful to measure it and to keep an eye on the target. Um, quotas as such, I wouldn't particularly be supportive of because I think that sometimes when you find yourself as a woman in a position on a board that people think you're only there because you're a woman and then you're almost at a double disadvantage in, in terms of trying to prove yourself. So again, I think it's probably about collecting the data, um, things like a board level and um, the gender gap uh, reporting will be really important. I think for farm uh, representative groups to have more female leaders coming forward would be really positive. I think we've, we're seeing that in MOCRA, um, maybe at a, a slower pace than some of the other farm organizations. So perhaps they need to look at their own leadership training. Um, are they encouraging uh, female leaders to come forward? Uh, is the environment open and inviting for them? Um, so yeah, I think it's it's about raising the awareness and putting targets in place and, and working around those rather than you know enforcing quotas, I don't think is particularly helpful. Yeah, I mean, lots of food for thought in that. And quotas are always such a difficult one to talk about because I think there is that 
general feeling that it could suggest that, you know, perhaps it's it's a token, a woman being on the board if they're just trying to manage numbers. I mean, maybe we shouldn't feel that, but I think there is that perception out there. So it is always a very difficult one, I think, to look at. Um, but obviously, as you say, you, you haven't felt disadvantaged, even if you've been in a room of all males in, in Chagosk or wherever else it is, or sitting at a table and um, discussing views. I mean, if you were to go back to Thea as a five-year-old sitting in primary school, and to give her something that she might remember in order to kind of deal with coming through and having career in a such having a career in a such male dominated mm. industry what would you say well i have two daughters so i'm saying it every day anyway probably yeah. and i think it is obviously to work hard and do the best you can and put yourself forward and take risks um, I think a lot of the research shows that men are more likely to apply for jobs before they're ready and women wait until long after they're ready. So a lot of that is about self-confidence. I hope that's a generational thing. I'd be amazed that my daughters would be less confident than my son. Um, but I, I guess we have to wait and see. But I would say take the chance. Um, you know, when I came to UCC, I quite quickly became dean of the business school. I hadn't worked in a business school before. If I had stopped and thought about it too long, I'd have said, I can't do this, no way. But you just have to put yourself forward. and. Nobody knows it all the first day. <laughs> Fake it till you make it to a certain extent, I think. Um, but I think women need to be braver about doing that um, uh, if they're not doing that already. I think that's right, because we definitely do tend to suffer from imposter syndrome more than maybe our male colleagues do. So I think you're right, the risk and just having a self-belief that you'll get there, faking it till you make it maybe, but mm. also just believing in yourself that you'll get there and not everyone knows the answers. So um, so I think that that's definitely a great starting point from it. Well, look, it's been really interesting chatting to you. Um, I think some really helpful insights in terms of how we might look at trying to improve the gender balance in agri and just really helpful and interesting hearing your take and your experience in the sector and and I guess how you've, I suppose, progressed and done very, very well in, in, in the career um, in such a male dominated environment. Thank you once again for your time. Thank you, Nancy. My pleasure.